السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام على الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هدانا الله اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد مفتاح باب رحمة الله عدد ما في علم الله صراة والسلام دائمين بدوام ملك الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه وشدوا أنه الله الذي لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد يحيي ويميد بيده تخيره على كل شيء قدير وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وكرت عيوننا محمد عبده رسوله أرسله الله بالهدى والدين الحق ليظهر على الدين كله ولو كره المشركون أما بعد عباد الله إني نوصيكم ونفسي إياي بتقوى الله Taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being mindful of him and being conscious of him in every single moment the greatest provision that you and I can acquire here in this world in preparation for the next and this is our reality or at least it should be every single moment of our days we should be preparing for the life to come and one of the amazing aspects of our deen is how everything relates ultimately to ubudiyah. That is, servitude to our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. Recognizing that we've been created from nothingness, from Adam. Being aware that we were brought into existence by our Creator subhanahu wa ta'ala. And by virtue of our being created, we are constantly in need. Our existence is contingent upon the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one of the great meanings, and this is reality, whether we realize it or not, is that we are in need of our Lord, our Creator, our Fashioner, our Sustainer, subhanahu wa ta'ala, in every single moment. There is absolutely nothing we can do without our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is to the extent that we realize that, that we are aware of that reality, is to the extent which that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us strength to do what it is that we need to do. Do we not all repeat regularly, La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. La hawla. There is no strength. Wa la quwwata. Nor is there any might illa billah. Except through our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or some of the ulama have said, La hawla ala ta'a. There is no ability that we have to be obedient and there's no strength that we have to avoid disobedience illa billah except through Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
And it is these meanings of ubudiyah, of servitude to our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala that are with us in every single moment of our lives. And it reflects in every single manifestation of the principles of our deen. And what an amazing deen that we have that gives us comprehensive guidance, holistic in every possible way, every possible consideration for every possible circumstance that we can find ourselves in, inwardly and outwardly, with, in relation to our own selves, between us and our Lord, between us and creation, between us and other people, comprehensive guidance from the complete sunnah of our Prophet and this is a miracle, a living miracle that you and I see. But it requires knowledge for us to know how that is the case. Because there might be someone who says, oh, how I, don't, I don't see how I have guidance in this particular situation. But that gets back to that particular individual in his or her inability to perceive or know what that guidance might be. But it's there. Every single situation that we can possibly be in, you will find in it guidance from the sunnah of our Prophet ﷺ. Because the archetypes of humankind repeat themselves throughout the centuries. Many of the same people that you see manifesting in a particular way now, it's the same archetype that manifested slightly differently in a previous time, if we can learn to read. And what we mean by here is not just reading a book, but learning to read the signs around us in creation. This is something that we must be trained to do. This is something that is a fundamental part of our ubudiyah, our servitude to Allah. Because everything that comes our way from the divine decree, hulwihi wa murrihi, the sweet of it and the bitter of it, the good of it and the evil of it ultimately is from Allah Jalla Jalala. But we have to learn how to read. And it doesn't matter whether we know what comes our way, especially if it's a tribulation, if we figure out what type of tribulation was it. Because a tribulation that we receive could be one of three types. It could be a test from Allah. And in that, it's a means for us to be raised in rank. It could also be an atonement, something that we did, and it is atoning for that thing that it is that we did. Or it could be that we did something wrong and it's a punishment from Allah to wake us up and to cause us to realize that actions have consequences. And if we can understand that, which children learn very quickly, when they do something that is that they're not supposed to be do, all of us know this, especially as we get older, it's so ingrained in us, it's almost as if it's a part of our DNA, that actions have consequences. And if that is the case for everything in this world, are we to think that it's going to end with our death here? Or would the intelligent person think that no, something's going to happen as well? When there's mufarakat al-ruh al-jisid, the definition of death is none other than the spirit leaving the physical body. We only die in the sense of leaving this world, and yes, that you could call it death. But in reality, death is a transition. 
It is a transition from this world into the next world. But if we are intelligent that we will come to terms with understanding this world now, knowing what it is that we need to know, and from here what a blessing it is to have prophetic guidance. And one of the ways that our Prophet ﷺ emphasized to us the importance of our servitude to Allah is by giving us a number of formulas, ways to repent to Allah Jalla Jalalu. He teaches us how to do this. Because once we realize from the beginning how needy we are of our Lord, we already spoke about how our existence is contingent upon the existence of Allah Jalla Jalalu, that we are in need of our Lord in every single moment. This is inextricably linked to human action. We know then if this is our case, this is how we are, that we are going to err, that we are going to make mistakes, that we are going to fall short, and our Prophet recognized this Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and his intention here was not to open up the door for us to sin or to commit mistakes. On the contrary, it was a recognition of human fragility and frailty and to teach us the solution and how we cannot let ourselves fall into despair. Rather, we have to gather ourselves and respond in an Adamic way not in a demonic way, in a way that is pleasing to our Lord, when he said, وسلم, All of you will make many mistakes, not just mukhti'un or khati'un, khatta'un, sifa mubalagha, it's an emphatic form, meaning all of you will make mistakes time and time again, time and time again. And then what did our Prophet say so that we don't fall into despair? He gave us the door for us to learn how to rectify what was wrong. And the best of those who make a lot of mistakes and literally sin regularly are those who constantly turn back to Allah in repentance. Such that we learn in the definition of the kabair, the major sins, that if you do a smaller sin, and no sin in reality is small when you think about the correct frame of how we understand human sin. However, if you do something persistently, it becomes from the kabair. It comes from the major sins. However, are we, the ulama teach us, even if you make the same mistake day in and day out, 70 times in one day, in fact, if you repent a lot every time, you're not considered to be a persistent sinner. You're not musib al-masiyah. What a blessing. 70 times in one day. But what happens is, when we make mistakes or we commit a sin, especially if it's one that relates to the desire, because our desires are that attachment. They appear in the nafs and they relate to the world outwardly. And when it's attached to our desire, it's hard because you can't just get rid of it in one blow. Your nafs, and we were looking at this line of poetry just today. The nafs is worse, more difficult 
worse of an enemy than 70 shaitans. That is the perspective of our deen. We are taught to be introspective. We are taught to focus on ourselves first. One of the beautiful subtleties of the great Imam Abdullah bin Ali bin Haddad in his book, Risalat al-Mu'awana, the Book of Assistance, he mentions in his introduction, because he essentially wrote the work, it was a risala, a treatise, for his friend, who was roughly around the same age, and he was in his late 20s when he wrote this blessed work. And his friend asked him for advice in the spiritual path. Now which one of us would have the humility to ask your colleague or your friend, someone who's roughly about the same age of you, for advice in the spiritual path? And so he composed this blessed text that has become a manual for people throughout the past three centuries to this very day in this a very amazing way to summarize the most important landmarks of the spiritual path, things that we must know if we are going to draw near to our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says in his introduction, every time that I mention something of benefit that I will always start it with alika which translates as you must. But he says here, when I, what I intend though by you is not you who is listening. He said, I intend first and foremost my own self. And so when the people of Allah use the second person and they say you, they are personifying their own nafs, i.e. imagining that their nafs is outside of them and they're addressing themselves first. Other people think that they're speaking to them, and at, to a second degree they are. But first and foremost, they speak to their own selves. Because they recognize the severity of calling people to something that they themselves have not put into practice. And the more they think about this, the more broken they become. And were it not to be that Allah wa ta'ala assists them, and gives them the meshad, i.e. the outlook that the mercy of Allah Ta'ala is great. And just as we've been commanded to put our knowledge into practice, we've also been commanded to disseminate it. But they do it ultimately, ibudiyatin lillah, out of servitude to Allah, to fulfill His command. Which, if we look at the essential definition of sincerity, which is really beautiful, it ties right into the meaning of ibudiyah, of servitude to Allah. When we talk about sincerity, what do we really mean? It's to fulfill the command of Allah. You've been commanded to do something, you do it. Because why? You are a servant of Allah. Nothing is more beautiful and more pure, even if that's foreign to us the first time that we hear it. Even if that our self, our ego, rejects that when you first hear it. There is no meaning of closeness to Allah if you have your own self. It is the greatest obstacle by consensus of the spiritual path, your own self. Nothing comes between you and ma'rifah, knowledge of Allah, like your own self. This is where it all begins. And nothing is a greater antidote to the egotism of the soul than to force it to fulfill the command of Allah for no ulterior motive, no other reason than the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
deserves to be worshipped subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then along these lines as well of sincerity is this meaning of relying upon Allah only. So when you do whatever it is that you're doing, you don't rely upon your own self. You don't rely upon your own intelligence or your own smarts or your own strength or whatever it is that you have that relates to you. You don't even rely upon your own actions that you do. You do them, yes, but your reliance is ultimately upon Allah and upon His bounty. That's what you place your hope in. And then, even if you were to worship Allah with the ibadah of the thaqalain, with the worship of the ins and jinn, still, you would see that nothing that you've done is anything more significant than that a piece, a speck of dust that is flying through the air. That is sincerity. Fulfilling the commandment of Allah, that's what motivates you to do what it is that you do. Worshipping Allah because He deserves to be worshipped, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not relying upon your own self. And even when you do great acts of goodness and you do great deeds, still that you don't believe that you have fulfilled the right of lordship of our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala in any way whatsoever. The way that Allah ta'ala raises this servant is immense. And this is a servant that is not necessarily protected from making mistakes. A servant who is sincere like this will still make mistakes. But then the mistakes move from great mistakes to lesser great mistakes to minor mistakes, and there might be many, to less of minor mistakes, and then there's different type of mistakes after that. Where once you move up in the ranks of closeness to Allah Jalla Jalalu, you will start to be more accountable and more responsible. You will be taken to task in ways that people who are not of that same spiritual st station are not taken to task. And so then it gets back to this perpetual meaning of turning back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, returning unto Him in all of our different states. And I want to just look at just a few of these blessed formulas of istighfar, that is different ways to seek forgiveness from our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah ta'ala speaks specifically about those who seek forgiveness of Allah in the last part of the night. Allah speaks about those who seek forgiveness in the latter part of the night. The sahar in the Arabic language is the last third of the night. Now keep in mind the night begins at Maghrib and the night ends at dawn, not sunrise, at dawn. And so you add up the time and divide it by two. That's really midnight according to the lunar calendar. And then if you make a further division so you divide it ultimately that amount of time from Maghrib to dawn by three. That last third of the night is known as the Waqt al-Sahr. This is a very special time and you might notice the linguistic relationship between the word Sahr with Suhoor, which is the pre-dawn meal. And this is a time that is one of the very greatest times of all to worship our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there are good times, and every time it's really a good time to seek His forgiveness, but especially in the latter part of the night. This is a time, even if we can't do it on a, on a daily basis, 
We should still try to do it once a week. We should still try to do it from time to time. We should at least try to do it on the special nights of the year because there are certain nights that are special. And if we can't do it regularly in, all of the, in any way that was previously mentioned, we should at least try to do it from time to time on the special nights throughout the year. Teaching us these meanings of servitude, teaching us how to implore our Lord and to seek His forgiveness, our Prophet said, وسلم, He taught us this formula. Allahumma inni zalamtu nafsi zulman kathiran. And so the Prophet here is saying this in the first person and by extension teaching us to say it in the first person. Oh Allah, I have greatly wronged myself. Inni. This is another form of emphasis. Lalamtu nafsi. I have wronged my own self. Vulman kathiran. In a great way. Greatly. I have greatly wronged myself. And every word that our Prophet spoke, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, was significant. And why does he speak of zalamtu nafsi? Because this is the one that we're really wronging, is our own self. In the end of the day, people that try to call you to good, yes, you could wrong another human being or an animal or someone else, yes, of course. But in reality, we are only wronging our own selves. Ultimately, this affair is about you and I before our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ultimately, we are wronging our own selves. Allah Ta'ala says in another verse in the corner, from among them are those that wrong their own selves. But here, we are recognizing that it is not just a type of dhulm, dhulman kathiran. We've wronged ourselves greatly. And no one forgives sins except you. So first we start with our own selves. If you, when you unpack this, you'll start to realize how much adab and how many manners our Prophet has before our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. He starts with his own self, Ya Rab. I have wronged myself greatly. And then he's going to attribute something great to Allah. illa <laughs> ant. And no one forgives sins except you, O Lord. And then, now's the dua, the actual moment of seeking forgiveness. After first that we admit our own state, and we recognize that Allah is the one who forgives, فَغْفِرْلِي And forgive me. مَغْفِرَةً min indika, Not just any type of forgiveness. A forgiveness that comes from your presence directly from you. He could have just said, فَغْفِرْلِي And we have certain formulas where that's how it's read. However, here, فَغْفِرْلِي مَغْفِرَةً مِنْ indika. This is an emphasis of a forgiveness that comes directly from your presence. Why? Because he just admitted and recognized, sallallahu alayhi wa that only Allah is the only one that forgives sins. So who else are we going to go to? If we can't go to our Lord for forgiveness, who are we going to go to? If you have an issue between you and your Lord, what can any other human being do to help you? Unless he's pointing to you in the right direction. This is about you and I and our Lord. And it is for this reason we must become accustomed to solitude. We must become accustomed to being alone. 
We have to get used to being alone with our Lord and finding intimacy in His remembrance. And we have to struggle with ourselves so that we force ourselves into a state of muraqabah, vigilance on a daily basis, at least regularly, where no one else is around. We are facing the Qibla. We are bringing to heart that our Lord sees us subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we feel broken before Him. And these are the type of prayers that we say in those states where we realize we have nowhere else to turn. We have no one else to rely upon. We have no one else to go. La milja wa la manja. We have no way, source of refuge. That we have no source of salvation except our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And everyone else that you fear you run away from. Everything else you fear you want to away from except our Lord, is that we seek refuge in Him from Him. We seek refuge in His, in his, in his mu'afa, that min His uquba. We seek refuge in His ridam and His sakhat. And we seek refuge in Him from Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. The one who fears Allah flees to Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَاغْفِرْ لِي مَغْفِرَةً مَنْ عِنْدِكَ وَارْحَمْنِي And show mercy to me. So look at this beautiful combination because sometimes we think that they're just synonymous. Maghfir and Rahmah. And yes, there sometimes a little bit of overlap because Maghfirah, forgiveness, is a, one of the many manifestations of mercy. But mercy is much more expansive. Mercy is much more expansive. Once Allah Ta'ala forgives you and then you ask for His mercy, who knows if it is granted to you, you might not ever commit that sin again. You might not ever make that mistake again. It might be that if you receive that mercy, that the past sin that you committed is transformed into a good deed. This is the highest possible of all possibilities. The idea of bad deeds being changed into good deeds. There's no limit to what we can receive from the mercy of Allah. And then to end also with emphasis, rahim. Indeed, you are the all-forgiving and you are the merciful, O Lord of mine. And then another beautiful formula, Allah forgive me for what I have committed previously and what I will do in the future. And what I have done in secret and what I have done in private. And for all of my excesses, ex excesses, and for that about which you have more knowledge than I. You are the one who puts people ahead, and you are the one who puts people behind. La ilaha illa ant. There is no God save you. And so here, this is teaching us all the different categories of our sins. It could be related to time, so it could be something in the past, or it could be related to something in the future. It could be related in terms of us being with people or being alone. So we seek forgiveness for that what we did alone, and that what we did with people. And then a general ascription of israf to our own selves, where of transgressing or going into excess, going into excess, all of the different times that we've done this. And here we can be reminded of one of the most 
hope-inspiring verses in the entire book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ Say, O servants of mine, أَضَافَهُمْ إِلَىٰ نَفْسِهِ And this is one of the most hope-inspiring verses because Allah, despite the fact, He says, those, He will say, those that have gone into excess. What? He still, أَضَافَهُمْ إِلَىٰ نَفْسِهِ he affiliates them to his own self, ibadi. He doesn't call them here mudnibin or mukhti'in or khati'in or anything like this. He says, قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَتُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ Say to my servants that have transgressed against their own souls, never despair from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We realize that Allah is the Muqaddam and Allah is the Mu'akhir. Why is this important? This is extremely psychologically significant. Because when we make mistakes outwardly, we can think that we've lost our chance. We can think that we're going to that be removed from a particular position. Or that we're going to fall in the eyes of someone. No, Allah is the Muqaddam and He is the Mu'akhir. No one else can put you forward or behind. In dunya it happens, but in reality, only Allah can put you before and only Allah Ta'ala can put you behind. And that's in His hands. And it is for this reason that again, these beautiful etiquettes of the awliya, they used to say that if I were to see someone right before my eyes commit a sin, and were they to disappear behind a tree, the next time I saw them I thought that they would be awliya, they would be righteous people. Because they would have repented a repentance in that moment that might have been accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that could have actually happened. We know about these blessed people in the time of the Prophet Our Prophet told us about people that they made such a tawbah were it to have been divided amongst the people of the earth of that time it would have sufficed them. The tawbah, the repentance of one individual. But it was their ikhlas, it was their sincerity. It was their feeling of ubudiyah, of servitude before Allah. We have to know with absolute conviction, Allah is the muqaddam and He is the mu'akhir. No one can put you forward and no one can leave you behind except Allah. Jalla jalalu wa la ilaha illa ant. And then finally, Allahumma maghfiratuka awsa'u min dhunubi wa rahmatuka arja'andi man amali. Connecting it right back to sincerity. And also the meanings of ibudiyah, of servitude to Allah. Oh Allah, your maghfirah, your forgiveness is more expansive than all of my sins. That perhaps that the mercy of my Lord, when He distributes it, will come in accordance to my disobedience. Meaning, if I have more than I'm going to receive, more mercy. This is how the people are with their Lord. This is what their hopes are. And they are the people that are vigilant to never fall into disobedience in the first place. However, knowing that this is their reality, that they will, these are the types of things that they say. That your forgiveness is more expansive than my sins. Subhanak. And then your mercy brings me more hope than all of my actions that I do. Look at that. Meaning, what does our Prophet teach us? That same exact meaning. Adam al-i'timad al-amal. To not rely upon what it is that you do. 
You rely upon the mercy of Allah Jalla Jalalu. You rely upon His forgiveness and His bounty and His grace subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our hope should be in His rahmah and His mercy, not in the things that we do and we should also do whatever it is that we can do. If we recite these blessed supplications of the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the one whom no one knew Allah like he did sallallahu alayhi wasallam, it is in this that once we immerse ourselves in the various supplications of the Qur'an and thou, those of our Prophet ﷺ, and they then bequeath a state in us, it is then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala very well might bring special ways of supplication and special words on our own tongues that are filled with the light of the Qur'an and the light of the sunnah of our Prophet ﷺ because the Qur'an and the Sunnah has become a part of us and it is mixed in our internal beings and this is what we all want and this is what we should all strive for. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq and bless us in all of our different affairs.